Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's just turn to Exodus chapter 17. Actually, I have Deuteronomy in my notes for some strange reason. Uh, We'll be getting there before too long, I believe. But um, tonight, last Thursday night, we looked at the life of Andrew and uh, truly one of the unsung heroes of our Bible. And uh, tonight I'd like us to look at the life of Joshua. Exodus chapter 17 is the first time we have Joshua actually uh, mentioned in in the Bible. And... uh, Let's start in verse 9. Sorry, my pages are sticking together. Terrible tonight. Uh, Joshua chapter 17. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Now, most of us are familiar with this story, how Moses went up to the top of the hill, and as he held up the rod of God, uh, Joshua was winning. When his arms would grow weary, he would let his arm down and put the rod down, and then the uh, Amalek and his people would begin to win the war. And so... Uh, two men went up there and they moved a rock in place and they stayed uh, Moses' hand. And, and, you know, there's an awful lot to, to be said for Aaron and her holding up and supporting Moses. But tonight I'd like us just to think about Joshua. All the time that they're concerned about holding, the hand, uh, holding up the rod, what's Joshua doing? He's swinging the sword. I mean, he is leading the men into the battle. As they are being pushed back, Joshua doesn't give up and stop fighting. Joshua keeps at it. And uh, uh, I'll tell you, uh, in our modern day and time, the idea of a military engagement is, is so often uh, just compact in just a few moments of time. It's just a short uh, raid or, or this, uh, these men were on the battlefield all day long. And uh, by the way, when you're in the battle, if you stop fighting, what happens? Uh, the enemy gets you. Uh, you know, you, we can spend uh, time talking about Gideon and his 300 men, the 300 that brought the water up because they were alert. But when you're on the battlefield, there is no time for rest. There's no time for anything. And so the first thing I'd like us to understand about Joshua was he was not only willing, but he was able to lead on the battlefield and to fight. Now, how had the... uh, How did Joshua learn to fight being a slave in the land of Egypt? Until just a very short while before we get to the uh, Exodus chapter 17. Not a long period of time. They hadn't gotten to Mount Sinai yet. They hadn't had all of these things happen. 
I wonder if Moses wasn't uh, giving a crash course. On, because Moses, of course, was the only Israelite that was trained in warfare. He was trained in the Egyptian military schools as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The Bible tells us that he was taught all the learning of the Egyptians. Uh, Joshua's only training had been he was a slave up until just a month or so before this period of time. And now he is leading the armies of Israel against a seasoned foe. In fact, this Amalek guy was such a, a dirty dealer. He was one of those guys that didn't believe in just coming out on the battlefield and fighting your battles. If you remember, one of the reasons they went out to fight him is because he came up behind Israel and was kidnapping and killing the stragglers. He, he was one of those guys that has no uh, character, no morals, no nothing. In fact, he was such a rotten guy. God uh, told Moses, when this is all done, I want you to put this guy's name down. We are going to get rid of him and his seed forever. Joshua was out on the battlefield. I don't know about you. I like Joshua. Uh, he had to know what he was doing or he wouldn't have been out on the battlefield very long. And not only did he know what he was doing, it said, uh, Moses told him, I want you to take men, I want you to pick some guys, and we're going to go down there. And so uh, something had been going on uh, during this 30 or so uh, day period that they had left the Red Sea and, and moving toward uh, Mount Sinai, but we have Joshua willing to lead and not willing. I mean, how many of you met somebody that was willing but not able? I mean, there's lots of willing people, but they're not equipped. They're not able. They didn't learn what they need to learn. Don't go to a mechanic. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we'll figure this thing out. That's not what you want the mechanic to say. You want him to say, yeah, I know this car. I know what I'm doing. Well, we, we will solve the problem. Uh, Joshua was the guy that was not only willing, but he was able to lead and to fight. And let's just skip on to Exodus chapter 24. And uh, let's just pick up verse 13. And again, we're just getting... Bits and pieces of, of Joshua's life and trying to put them together. And uh, why don't we start in verse 12 of chapter 24 of the book of Exodus. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mountain, be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a wall and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up. Now what's the next phrase say? And his minister, Joshua. Now, what does a minister do? Well, Elisha, and Lord willing, we may spend a Thursday night on Elisha. I like these guys. He was a minister to Elijah. What did he do? 
Well, when Elijah needed to wash his hands, Elisha poured the water so that Elijah could get clean hands. Who poured the water for Elisha? Uh Uh-uh, nobody. Uh, I don't know how he did it himself, but uh, he did not have the same opportunity. He was the minister. You know, we have today, I, I talked to a preacher years ago, and he said, I was traveling to India, and he said, I just, I was trying to think of how to describe my job, so I put minister down. He said, if you're ever going to India, put that on your passport, because they look at the word minister and they think State Department, uh, they think of that kind. Of, and so he said, I got the red carpet treatment. They, they thought I was the most important guy. He said, if you ever go to India, make sure you put that down. I, I don't know that I'm going to do that. Uh, but uh, we have important people who are called ministers today, but the minister simply means servant. You know, it's one thing to be willing and able to strap on the sword and to go into battle and to lead men into battle. It's another thing to turn around after you've had that level of involvement and excitement and, and just uh, that intensity of literally taking your life and putting it in your hand to face the enemy... And then becoming a servant to Moses. To find both of those things in the same life, I would say, classifies Joshua as extraordinary. I mean, we've had, uh, you study uh, American history, and I encourage any, anyone who lives here ought to study American history. I mean, we have had, some incredible generals and leaders. But you know what? Most of them were not servants. In fact, they still criticize General Douglas MacArthur for the way he handled himself and the way that he uh, deported himself among men. And uh, uh, General MacArthur understood a few things that if you're going to deal with the then uh, Asian world, that you didn't act like a servant. And he portrayed himself and got a lot of criticism for it. But here we have Joshua leading, and he is going to assume Moses' place, and he is willing to serve and do the minimalist job. I'll tell you, we do have one American hero if we got time. Yeah, we got six minutes for a quick history lesson. Um, this, we are going back to the Revolutionary War. Uh, a tree had fallen across the road and was impeding uh, the soldiers' march in the direction. And the corporal was standing there with his squad of men. Uh, urging them on, come on, lift and lift. And all of a sudden, a man came up on horseback and said, Corporal, why isn't this tree out of uh, of our way? Why aren't we moving forward? He says, the men just can't do it. He says, why aren't you helping? He says, but sir, I'm a corporal. And immediately, the man got off the horse, got down in the 
mud with the men, and because of his great physical prowess, moved it out of the way. And then he addresses the corporal. I am General Washington. Next time, you get in the ditch and help your man and rode off. I'll tell you what. True story, as far as we know. That's the kind of guy Joshua was. And you know something? That's something that we can emulate. You know, very rarely are we called on to do something where we shine, where everybody looks at us, where, where we get the quote-unquote spotlight, you know, and, uh, but just be willing to serve. Joshua had a love for whatever God had him to do. Let's... Um, Let's go to Exodus 33 next. If there's any story I like about Joshua, it's this one. God has given his law on Mount Sinai. The tabernacle has been reared up and put together. In verse 11... And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Now let me ask you a question. Who was God giving the message to? Moses, when the children of Israel needed direction, God spoke to Moses directly. It says, as a man speaks to his friend face to face, God showed up and spoke to Moses and gave him what we now call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the laws of the Jewish people. And their course in those five books is history and, and, and all the things that happened God was giving this to Moses. So what was Joshua doing? Well, he was there. He was Moses' minister. And when Moses leaves to go back into the camp, what does Joshua do? He just sits there. Did God give Joshua any special revelation? No. That was Moses' job. So what was Joshua doing? He just wanted to be close to God. I'll tell you what. If you're going to serve God in any shape or fashion, you've got to get a hold of this one right here. Do you know how hard it is to sit still? Assurance sang a song several years ago, Be still, standing still is hard to do. And we gave Stephen a very hard time about that. We said that's his song. And uh, But I'll tell you what. Just being still 
It is a lost art. It's hard to find a place to be quiet. It's hard. I mean, uh, today I, I decided I'd just walk down and stop by the bank and talk to, or at least get the phone number of the guy. We got a, a little problem that we need to work out, nothing serious. And so I, I'm trying to find, I got his card, and so I'm trying to call him. And I can't, I'm down on Broadway. I can't find a quiet place to call. So I said, ah, I'll duck into Starbucks. Wrong. It's not quiet in there. Everybody's talking. They're playing cruddy music. So I go around the corner, and no sooner I hang up, and the subway train runs over top. And, and, I'm, and, and it just hit me, you know, if I can't find a quiet place for a lousy phone call, how hard is it to get quiet and listen? Just, and, you know, the Lord is not going to give you special revelation any more than he did Joshua. His revelation is right here. And this is why it's important to read God's Word. Because when we finally get quiet, when we finally find a place and be still, the Holy Spirit can only work with what you have in you. If there isn't much in you, uh, there's not much the Holy Spirit's going to work with you. You've got to get God's Word. And Joshua, he's willing, he was able to lead and to fight. He was also willing to serve. He was willing to sit still and do nothing. Just so he could be close to God. Now, let's go to Numbers chapter 14. And we have Joshua willing to do what he did here in Numbers 14 because of what he had already built in his life. Now, verse 6, And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh were of them that searched the land, and rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. You know, if there's anything that we... I mean, we need to understand and be willing to lead and, and fight. We'll probably be called more upon to serve than to fight. We need to learn to be still. But there comes a time when you just have to believe God's word when the rest of the world doesn't. Even the people who call themselves Christians. You see, if you believe God, then you just do what he says. Amen? 
God said, you're going to go into the land, you're going to conquer it. They go in there. And you know what? There were giants in the land. Now, every once in a while, I'll run into somebody or be on the subway or whatever. I remember one time a while ago, we were standing in the subway and I looked over and I was looking right about here. I was looking at shirt buttons. Normally, I don't have that problem. I mean, I was sitting on a stool in Starbucks today. They had the um, uh, Frappuccinos half price, so I figured I'd get one. And so I'm sitting on a stool, and this woman walks by, and I'm sitting on a stool, and she's shorter than I am sitting on the stool. But every once in a while, you run into one of those guys, and you know what? Size is intimidating. Giants. Joshua saw the giants. In fact, these guys were so big that the other, uh, the ten that were bad there, the other guys, they said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Now, I always like to put this in. I am sure that one of those timid little scaredy cats went up to a giant and said, we look like grasshoppers to you, don't we? I mean, that's what they said. You know, they always talk. The people who sow fear, they always put words in the mouth of the enemy that are very intimidating. But they never talk to the enemy. Joshua said, I don't need to talk to the enemy. God said we're going to win, and we're going to win. Now let's not disobey God. And so, out of the children of Israel, Joshua and Caleb got to go into the land of Egypt. You know, something that needs to be said about Joshua. Moses didn't get to go into the land. Joshua did. You think maybe some of that sitting still may have encouraged Joshua to keep his mouth shut when Moses was up there just got to blow off some steam. I just got to let you guys know you're gonna, you've rebelled against the Lord time and time again. And he finally gets angry and he smites the rock twice. And God says, hey, you're not going in. Joshua had no part of that. I mean, these are the parts of his life that we see. But I want us to get a few other things. You see, Joshua loved the Lord. He loved God. He loved His Word. And you know what? How did he demonstrate his love for the Word of God? By sitting still in the tabernacle when there was no Word. By pouring water on the hands of Moses and serving him because God gave Moses the Word. By ministering to Moses. By saying... We're going to go up and we're going to obey God even when the whole nation of Israel bade stone them with stones. And Joshua was there and he saw all of the things that the children did, the children of Israel did for 40 years in the wilderness. And Moses comes up to him and says, you're going to be the next leader. 
you know, there's a reason why I'm not Joshua. I said, I would have said, I've seen all that Moses had to put up with and how it almost killed Moses. Moses said, uh, Lord, I can't handle this. You've got to let other people help me and, and bear the burden with me. And, and Joshua was just one of those uh, men. And he willingly got in line to put up with all the stuff that Moses had to put up with. You know what? I take my hat off to Joshua. He knew what kind of job it was. And when God said, I want you, I'm sure Joshua had some thoughts in his mind. This is not going to be fun. Uh, This is going to be a a lot of frustration and, and all the things that Moses had to put up with. And Joshua wasn't one of those guys that, you know, I'm sure you remember in, in, in school, grade school, we're going to play kickball at lunch. You always had two or three guys. I'll be captain. I'll be captain. You know what? Joshua wasn't out there yelling, I'll be captain. But when God came and said, I want you to be captain, Joshua said, yeah, okay. I followed you this far. I'm going to keep following the Lord. Um, Joshua led the people into the land of Canaan. And th- this is something I always like to put out, put, put out when we look at Joshua. You know, Moses had sticking his finger in Pharaoh's face, let my people go, and the land of Egypt was totally destroyed. We've done this in Sunday school. All the things that went on, But the greatest moment had to be when Moses said, Hold your peace! And stretched that rod out and the Red Sea parted. Moses got to cross the Red Sea. You know what Joshua got? The muddy Jordan River. But see, he had a promise for God. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. And they were just preparing to cross the Jordan River, and the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Joshua did not despise the crossing of the Jordan River. Nor did he try to compare it with what Moses had been used of God to lead through the Red Sea. They didn't have to cross the Red Sea. They were already across it. But they did have to cross the Jordan River. And that was the next step. And God gave Joshua a promise. And Joshua was content. Now, how would you like to get the battle plans for the city of Jericho? You're going to march around the city one time and go back to the camp. 
And then the next day, you're going to march around the city and go back to the camp. And the next day, and then on the seventh day, you're going to march around the city seven times, and then you're going to shout, and the walls are going to fall down. Great precedent for that, isn't there? It happens all the time. In fact, somebody went through and they multiplied the number, the number of the children of Israel and, and tried to talk about how the if they had marched in, in perfect timing and cadence that um, the vibration from their feet could have loosened the foundations of the wall of Jericho and, and, and the noise of the shout, the, uh, uh, the sonic resonance could have caused the mortar to crumble and barf. Uh-uh. It's, it's so silly what people do. Now, I don't know if God had angels digging under the foundations or not. I'm, I'm not. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just said, you do what I say. And the walls fell down. And it says, every man went straight before him. They tell us that those walls were... Somewhere between 9 and 12 feet thick at the bottom. Or no, actually at the top, they were almost 20 feet thick at the bottom. Now, if those walls had just been reduced to rubble, would you go straight before you? Uh-uh. You'd have to climb up over the rubble pile. So, apparently, God just pushed the down button on the elevator, and, I mean, the walls just disappeared. They sunk into the ground. And Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and there really wasn't much fighting to do. But they had directions. And I want us to spend our last few moments tonight on what happened after Jericho. Let's go to Joshua chapter 7. Because we all know what happened in Jericho. Joshua, as the leader could not watch 600,000 men. And Achan took advantage of this, and he took things that, did not, that belonged to the treasury of God and belonged to the fire. And he hid them, and he put them in his tent. Now, always, we don't have time for Achan tonight, but I always wondered, what in the world was he going to do with that Babylonian garment? He couldn't wear it in public. Everyone would know where it came from. And he hid that thing under his tent. You know, it, it, we do dumb things when we sin, do we not? We take things that just aren't going to help us at all. I mean, what in the world? And how could he spend the silver and the gold without someone saying, hey, where'd you come up with this stuff? I mean, people knew people. But what happened when they went to Ai? 36 men died. Now, Joshua was willing to cross the Jordan rather than the Red Sea. He was willing to be quiet. He was willing to serve. He was willing to lead. He was willing to do whatever he said. But here we find Joshua faltering just a little bit. And let's look at Joshua's words here in Joshua chapter 7, 
Start in verse 6. And Joshua ran his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until eventide. He and the elders of Israel put dust upon and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, and they shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? The only way to explain these words is Joshua thought the problem was with God. Right? Hey, we did everything we were supposed to do. You know what this shows us? That in spite of all the things that happened in Joshua's life up to this point, he still was capable of making a mistake. You know, that's one of the things about the Bible is we know that it's true because it gives us a truly human Look at all of these people. It doesn't cover up their mistakes. It doesn't cover up His words. And, of course, I love the Lord's response. And the Lord said unto Joshua in verse 10, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? He said, Joshua, what is the problem here? Don't, aren't you thinking? The problem's not me. The problem's not you. The problem is, Israel has sinned. And if you don't take care of it, I'm not going to be with you anymore. Joshua took care of it, didn't he? He executed it thoroughly and completely. In fact, we read that um, uh, back in the later kings, they still knew this valley and the place where Achan had lost his life with the lives of his family because of the sin that he did. And we see Joshua being corrected. You know, one of the things I pray is that I'll never get to the point to where I'm not correctable. Joshua was correctable. He understood that he had thought wrong about God and he got it right. And never again do we have Joshua having a problem with God. In fact, we get down to Joshua 24, and this is where we're going to end tonight, the end of Joshua's life. And Joshua leaves a legacy behind him of a desire to serve God. Joshua chapter 24. And uh, verse 15. It says, and Joshua is is speaking here, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now skip down to verse 31. 
And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Tell you what, I love the life of Joshua. It's in here for a reason. It's in here to encourage us. Joshua was willing to do what needed to be done, but more than willing, he made himself able. There was a reason why Moses called upon him to, to do this, to lead into battle in such an early point in the history of the nation of Israel. But the next time we see him, he's not leading into battle. He's Moses' minister. He's Moses' servant. He stayed in the tabernacle after Moses left. And when it came time to search out the land of Egypt, he stood upon the words of God and did not falter. He was willing to lead the nation of Israel through the Jordan River. He did not worry about his own testimony or what people thought of him and his leadership. He took the promise of God that said, I'm going to make you like Moses. And of course, if we were to name the great names of Israel, I mean, Moses, how could you get any better than bigger than that? But what's the next name that probably comes to mind? David? Some of the other great kings? Joshua would get there, but as it says of David's mighty men, he attained not unto the first three. But Joshua just still believed God's word. And even when he faltered at seeing the deaths of the men at Ai, he went back to God where he needed to go. And when God said, get up and stop slobbering on the floor, Joshua did. And he straightened out the problem and served God. And the last thing we have Joshua on record saying, listen, you guys aren't doing what you were supposed to do. How's the book of Judges start? God said, you didn't drive them out in the days of Joshua? I'm not going to drive them out. They're going to stay there. And they're going to be thorns in your eyes. And they're going to bother, uh, trouble you and lead you away from the Word of God because you didn't obey the direction of Joshua. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now remember, Joshua was 40 years older than all the rest of the guys. So all of his helpers and all the men, the elders, were a lot younger than Joshua was. And so they lived, in essence, a whole other generation past Joshua. And they still served the Lord. Then we go into the book of Judges. Tell you what. There's some things in Joshua's life that we need to just ask God to help us emulate. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to take a few moments, pray about these things that we've studied in the life of Joshua. And Lord, that we would ask that you would help us. That the Holy Spirit would have freedom to take the life of Joshua and 
pick those parts that we're having difficulty with. And to just tap us on the shoulder and say, you know, Joshua did this, you need to. Lord, help us to be sensitive to your leading and your direction. We ask you to work in our lives and encourage us in serving you. We'll just take a moment, have the piano play. And if you need to come, the altar is open.